You're listening to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. Welcome into another edition of the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. Great to be with you for our second episode of the uh, of the season. There's plenty happening in the world of American sport and to uh, chat me through it and what's been happening over there where he is, uh, not only just in New York, but all around the United States, is the Chief. Morning, Chief. How's things? Oh, wonderful. Uh, good talking to you, Jordy. How's your week been? What's been uh, taking your fancy in the world of sport? Well, I think uh, the, the big story, I feel, is the Philadelphia Phillies beating the Atlanta Braves. That was just an incredible series in Philadelphia. Um, just phenomenal games. And Nick Castellanos hitting first player in uh, Major League Baseball postseason history to hit two home runs in back-to-back games, uh, leading the Phillies along with Bryce Harper and some good pitching to upset the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, you said last week that the uh, the Phillies and Braves series is going to be the best and most interesting series, and that certainly turned out to be the case. You also said that uh, we'd get an all um, an all uh, Texas uh, matchup in the ALCS, which we've also got. We'll dissect that a little bit further. But did the uh, did the Braves and, and Phillies um, series live up to the um, live up to the, the the expectation? Yeah, I mean, you'd maybe prefer a five game series just for the extra drama, but. A lot of tension, a lot of back and forth, uh, personal uh, battles between uh, superstar Bryce Harper of the Philadelphia Phillies and Orlando Arcia, the shortstop, who had made a comment after uh, Bryce Harper got caught and got doubled off to end the game uh, in game um, two. And it just uh, completely changed the series. It really motivated Bryce Harper and uh, uh, just a fantastic performance by the uh, Philadelphia Phillies and their fans. We've got, yes, the fans are incredible at the end of the uh, ALDS when they made it through. Um, let's, uh, on the show today, we've got, we're going to talk baseball in a bit more detail in, in the second segment. We've got NHL on the way as well with the start of the season. We're now a couple of days into the very new season of the NHL. We'll talk a bit of uh, college football as well, a bit of NASCAR at the back end, as well as the, uh, the title race heats up there. And of course, NFL here off the top. But to start things off this week, uh, Chief, I thought, why not? Well, let's just to set the scene of what the uh, the last seven days have looked like. Let's pick a star of the week, and uh, and someone or a team, or it can be someone off field or anything really that has taken your fancy as uh, as being the the top performer in their respective field this week. So, who is your star of the week this week, Chief? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with the team in the San Francisco 49ers and just this dismantling of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, George Kittle, three touchdowns, but it was just a total team effort. Uh, uh, Fred Warner on the defense just doing amazing things. Yeah, just uh, San Francisco, we talked about them. Uh, um, I had them as number one. You have them behind the Chiefs, and you can't they're, – they're, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes is – Definitely could be a difference maker, but the 49ers, wow, they, they really uh, had a phenomenal performance just blowing away Dallas Cowboys. So uh, I, I would make the, the whole team the star of the week. Yeah, I was uh, I was leaning that way as well with the 49ers. I mean, I think after last week we did our power rankings. I think uh, in the space of a week I'm probably going to have to shift the 49ers up one to, uh, to overtake the Chiefs in the power rankings because they were incredible on both sides. And even in our most recent look at the Chiefs, um, their offense maybe hasn't just, I mean, it's, it's still very good, but probably not clicking at the same pace as the, uh, as the 49ers is, where they're just dismantling teams uh, and the Chiefs uh, are doing well. But yeah, the 49ers just look incredible on both sides and there's stars everywhere, both on offense and on defense. I mean, there's so many options 
uh, for Brock Purdy to pick from on offense. And he's he's um, a good young quarterback. He's not an absolute star. He wouldn't he wouldn't say he's in the A grade bracket, uh, but he is a more than serviceable quarterback. And he is uh, he's definitely got um, all of the uh, you know every every part of that offense uh, working well to his to his tempo. And and it's just it's hard to beat, isn't it? No, absolutely. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, you know, a little bit untested in big, big games. They won a playoff game uh, last year. Uh, yeah, I think uh, they have so much and uh, so many different options and weapons. And, and the line play, the offensive line, the defensive line, um, yeah, I, I think you, you nailed it. Everything on the head there with uh, Brock Purdy. Um, the Chiefs, I will say, they really got away with one um, tough game going into Minnesota, but uh, some calls that all went the Chiefs' way late, and uh, the Minnesota Vikings had a, had a tough uh, 27-20 loss. So the Chiefs got a win, but wasn't very impressive. I was going to go the 49ers as well for my star of the week, but uh, but since you've taken them, I'll, I'll divert and go to uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I know you, we'll get you to talk about this because you are uh, the baseball expert out of the two of us, but the Diamondbacks, the number six-ranked team in the National League, uh, 84 wins for the season, still very good, but coming up against the 100-win LA Dodgers, who have been, as we mentioned, and, and as most baseball fans know, have been one of the established uh, powerhouses of this era, the, you know, the last 10 years or however you want to sort of quantify it. And the Diamondbacks to come in and, and sweep the Dodgers in the National League and convincingly as well in that very first game, 11-2, to they won that match and then carried on with it in the next couple of games. I think that was, I don't know, I would say that's an upset, um, so I think the Diamondbacks go, go down as my star of the week, and now they find themselves in a in a National League uh, Championship Series. Ah, oh, that was just shocking, and, and yeah, we talk about it more. I, I just can't believe how the Dodgers just their star hitters just didn't didn't come up big, and you know, there's a lot of talk. We really need to kind of talk more about the uh, the playoff structure and been very controversial where these the teams actually getting by seem to be at such a disadvantage because baseball uh, players just aren't, aren't used to four or five six days breaks it just doesn't happen so uh, other than the all-star break and every team has it at the same time so uh, it's yeah, become a little bit of a disadvantage but Arizona Cardinals young te- I mean, Arizona Diamondbacks young team <clears throat> with some really good pitching uh, I, I was shocked I was shocked by that Let's have a look at the uh, the NFL for this week. Week number six is ahead of us, and we've picked our uh, five best games. Well, I've put a list together of the five best games, but I'll, I'll throw it to you first, Chief. What's the game that you think is going to be the game of the week this week? Because there's not many um, powerhouse v. powerhouse team uh, in, in really any of the matches this week, but there's a lot of uh, very intriguing matchups all the way through the schedule for week six of the NFL. Which one jumps off the page for you? Yeah, it's it really isn't a great week in terms of uh, good head-to-head matchups. Uh, we have a terrible Sunday night game as we talked about the New York Giants. They're massive underdogs against the Buffalo Bills, so that's a primetime game. Uh, we do have another London game, Baltimore-Tennessee, but nothing really special there. And then the Monday night, uh, Dallas Cowboys at the L.A. Chargers, but I believe Justin Herbert is going to be out for that game, star quarterback for the, uh, the L.A. Chargers. So... Uh, um, maybe not. I, I don't know. I saw that cross the wire. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, question mark. But, um, yeah, I, I'm going to go with an interesting one, though, I think. Detroit Lions at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just because I want to see what the Lions can do on the road. If they could keep performing. I, I've i been I 
actually surprised. I know they were the hot team, and that's why I kind of thought they'd be maybe a little disappointing, and they just haven't been. Uh, they've been fantastic, the Detroit Lions. But going into Tampa Bay, it's a tough spot. You don't see Detroit usually favored on the road. You don't usually see them favored. So uh, uh, I think that's a really interesting one. Yeah, well, let's, let's start there then and have a look at the Detroit Lions. So they are 2-0 and away this season. They did get that, that one-point win on the opening night of the season against the Kansas City Chiefs. And the only other team they've beaten away was a divisional matchup against the Green Bay Packers, who we know are a team uh, sort of in rebuild. So the next couple of away games, I think, are really going to show us more about the Detroit Lions with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, this weekend. They play Baltimore away uh, next week. And then, and then um, uh, is that next week? Yes, it is. I'm just making sure they haven't got the bye there. So yeah, one after the other. And then in a couple of weeks, they've got the Chargers on the road as well. So those are a string of pretty tricky away games. And the Buccaneers... Um, have a pretty good record this season. They're 3-1. and one. They're coming off the bye. Um, the teams they've beaten this season, Minnesota, Chicago, and New Orleans. So good wins for, for them, for Tampa Bay, but probably there's still bigger teams that they can they can yet beat. And, um, I mean, we say it's a test for Detroit. It's probably also a test for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So all in all, it makes for a, a pretty good matchup. Yeah, and you have a battle of first overall quarterback, uh, first overall draft picks quarterback with Jared Goff of the uh, Detroit Lions and Baker Mayfield in his first season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's uh, started with the Cleveland Browns and had a, a very uh, a quixotic run around the league, and then now he's uh, in Tampa Bay. And a lot of weapons there, a lot of good receivers, really strong defense. So it's, it's a tough spot for Detroit. And, yeah, like I said, Tampa Bay coming off a bye at home. Um, that used to be a good angle. Uh, it has kind of fallen apart now that they let the players take so much time off. They sometimes get a little disoriented, so it's really not as big an edge as it used to be. But still, I always kind of like those home teams off buys. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a tough spot for Detroit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Tampa Bay is going to have a really good chance, and I would take them to win that. I'm curious to see how the Seattle versus Cincinnati game goes, just for where the position of these teams are at. Uh, the Seahawks are second in their division at the moment in the NFC West. They've got three wins to their name, three wins in a row as well. Um, they beat uh, Detroit back in week two in an overtime game. Their last two wins have been against Carolina and the New York Giants, who, as we see more of this season unfold, we know that they're two of the weaker teams. Uh, so they sit in second in their division, as I said. Is that a bit of a false um, guide, I guess, for, for Seattle and, and what they've done this season. I think this game against the Cincinnati Bengals is going to be a good test for them, but also the Bengals. I mean, they were, were they were uh, you know scarce of wins in the first month, just the one win. They got back on the winner sheet last week against the Arizona Cardinals, where the offense really, Chief, for the first time this season looked like it was clicking. They had, they had all parts of the offense working. Joe Burrow looks good. He looked mobile. Jamar Chase got on the score sheet multiple times. It's probably the first time we've seen the the, uh, the Bengals of of um, you know the last one or two years, uh, the best of the Bengals that we know on the field this season. Yeah, I had kind of been worried about Joe Burrow being able to get healthy without rest, and it seemed like he was quite healthy. And I, I think the Arizona Cardinals are a solid team. So as they're maybe ranked one of the worst in the league in terms of different numbers. They're very competitive, and uh, Cincinnati really ended up blowing them out. Big plays, and uh, this is a, yeah, a really good game because you have a situation where, yeah, Cincinnati are three-point favorites at home. The handicap is really just these are two even teams, and, and Cincinnati getting that little home field advantage, which is always uh, a field goal. Uh, 
I think Seattle, though, is a very strong team. I think that, uh, yeah, they haven't played the best teams, but uh, Geno Smith's proven now more than just last year being a fluke. He's come and come back and, and, and showed that last year was uh, for real, as his performance has been fantastic. Great weapons on offense and a receiver. And, you know, not the classic Seattle defense, not the defenses of, uh, of yore, but still uh, solid defense. Um, uh, I, I think Seattle uh, has a chance of pulling off the upset here. I think this is a, um, again an even game. Um, I think it could be very, hopefully. I think this is a, a very close one. Um, really could go either way. That Monday night football game, I, I do have a bit of uh, a bit of an interest in just with how these teams respond. So the Dallas Cowboys got you know pulled apart last week by the 49ers. Um, do you think, Chief, that we've maybe overrated Dallas a little bit? When you look back through their their record this season, the teams they've beaten haven't been uh, much chop, really. They've beaten the two New York teams. You know, the Giants in the first week, they blew to pieces. The Jets in the second week. The Jets are going to be just a, a mid, mid-range team this season. And the New England Patriots look like one of the worst uh, teams in football this season. So those have been their three wins. They lost the Cardinals. They lost to the 49ers, as we've said. Uh, a lot of people were sort of hyping up the Cowboys going into that game on Sunday night last week against against San Fran. But have we have we overrated them a little bit? Wow, uh, New England Patriots, one of the worst teams in the NFL. <laughs> Just shocking to hear. Uh, but you're right. <laughs> you're right. Um, uh, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think what's happened is the injury to Trevon Diggs, their star cornerback, really has limited the defense, and that kind of changed things. Uh, and they had to overcome that, and that gave I think George Kittle a lot of opportunity. Uh, last week, because they had to shut, try to shut down Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk of the, of the 49ers without Diggs. And then Dak Prescott, I think that is also a guy that in big games, big moments, he hasn't had the best performances. So um, I think that's a, a big part of the Cowboys. Uh, and, you know, they have so much talent. Uh, they do have the, now an injury in Leighton Van Der Esch to the defense. By the way, uh, Justin Herbert is fine. He's going to be playing. He has a finger injury. What I misread is he's off the injury list, so okay. he's not out. I misread it. Sorry. So Justin Herbert will be playing in this game, and that's why, uh, you know, the Chargers uh, are, uh, you know, I think, you know, obviously I, I, I'm kind of surprised they're an underdog in this considering uh, I, I think Dallas, yeah, missing Trevon Diggs is huge, and – also, uh, Dak Prescott on a Monday night on the road. I don't know. Mm. The Ravens and the Titans in London doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't quite jump off the page, as you said, especially the Titans this season have just been a little flat. Um, they've been hot and cold. They've had some some good wins. They've All three of their losses have been really ordinary. They've gone loss, win, loss, win, loss uh, through the first five weeks of the season. Um, last uh, week against the Indianapolis Colts, they were... So they only lost by, uh, I think that's one score. Yeah, eight, uh, yeah, it's a one-score loss. I'm just trying to work out the math in my head. That's a one-score loss they had against the Colts last week. Um, but it's it's a team that just kind of doesn't really impress that much. Um, so it's more of a eyes on the Ravens scenario here after the back off the back of their loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers last week, which was just. I don't know. It's hard to explain really how they lost that game to the Baltimore Ravens because they had so many chances and they had, I think it was, uh, I think it was something like seven drop catches in the match and and there were uh, players dropping the ball in the end zone. I think Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman both dropped touchdowns cold in the end zone for the Ravens. So they really should have won that game against the the Pittsburgh Steelers by by their standards, but they just let it slip and it was really uh, just a, a 
I, I don't know how to explain that loss for the Baltimore Ravens. It was about as ugly as it gets. It was some really bad coaching. I, I was shocked John Harbaugh had a chance to kick a field goal right at the uh, just late in the right at the end of the half. He, he didn't take those three points in a game like that. You need to take every point you could. Um, there was a lot of. Uh, uh, just, yeah, misplay on the offensive line. Lamar Jackson didn't have a, a very good game. Though obviously, like you said, the receivers and tight end didn't help him one bit. Um, but it was just, a, you know, yeah, a wild game because they had, Pittsburgh couldn't do anything. They were really um, uh, completely stymied by the Baltimore defense. And, and Baltimore just dominated that game except on the scoreboard. Um I I still like them. You know, I had them in my top five, uh, and I still think that they have a, a, a real good chance going forward. I think they're definitely, you know, more built for the playoffs. Some rumors about them maybe adding a running back, uh, maybe Saquon Barkley in a trade, but uh, they could definitely, after losing J.K. Dobbins, that really hurt Baltimore. But they had a running back. The receivers, they're some young receivers. The tight end should be Mark Andrews, one of the better tight ends in the league. That was surprising. Zay Flowers, a rookie, very uh, talented young player, but young. They're, they're very young at wide receiver. So, uh, but I think, you know, Baltimore is still a team that can go far in the playoffs. Tennessee, um, I, don't, I don't think, they, yeah, they're just they're about as average as it gets. <laughs> kind of an average team in every way. Yeah. Um, Baltimore's significant favorites. Yeah, Tennessee are 2-1. to one, um, in the, to, You can get 2-1 to one on Tennessee to win this game in a you know, neutral site. Um, no advantage, really, in terms of last week. Jacksonville had a huge advantage in London having to play the week before. I, that was a real tough spot for the Buffalo Bills. Really, really unfair. And the last game we'll, uh, we'll have a look at in a bit of depth is uh, we'll go back to the 49ers and have a look at their matchup this week against the Cleveland Browns. This game is going to be played uh, in Cleveland. And I'm just having a look ahead here to the um, at the forecast because I know it is uh, can be a bit uh, cold and wintry up in the Ooh. north. And um, it says here that it's going to be uh, 12 degrees Celsius, so 53 Fahrenheit for you, Chief, and, and rainy up in Cleveland. Now, I don't know how accurate that forecast is, and obviously the weather uh, forecast can change uh, on a dime, but the 49ers going into the Cleveland Browns. The Browns haven't been spectacular. They're 2-2 two and two this season, but we do know that the Browns are probably a more defense-first team. Um, so the 49ers... Are, fully expect them to win, but how much of a challenge will they get from this Browns defense having to travel to Cleveland? Um, yeah, that, that would be the only side. Now, now here we have this Deshaun Watson definitively out at quarterback for the uh, Cleveland Browns, so they'll be on their backup quarterback who didn't look particularly good last week. No. Um, rookie, yeah, rookie. Uh, uh, and I, I think, yeah, I... I the weather, I'm seeing uh, some wind, but nothing crazy. Uh, maybe it'll be okay. Might hold out. I'm only seeing about 15% uh, precipitation. So uh, I think I'd be shocked if San Fran loses this game. But tough on the road. Now, this is a 1 o'clock game Eastern time here in the States, which is 10 a.m. body clock time for San Fran. That can always be a little tricky. That was an angle. Yeah. Teams have adjusted a bit to that. Seattle's in that same situation. Uh, playing in Cincinnati in the Eastern Time Zone as a West West Coast team, so uh, always a little tough. Sometimes they could be a little sleepy, um, and that Cleveland defense is really good. Uh, yeah, huge fav- ten point favorites for San Francisco. You can get four to one for Cleveland to win the game. So, uh, but I, I I think it's one of those that you know maybe it's it's low scoring, even though San Fran has put up a lot of points. It could be closer, you know. So you know maybe. Uh, 
you know, 17 to nine game or something like that. I would, I would take the points, but I'd be shocked if uh, San Francisco loses. So we round out the other games for the week. We've got the Commanders taking on the Falcons, two and three, Washington against Atlanta, three and two. Each of the Vikings and the Bears are one and four. They play each other at Soldier Field in Chicago. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, the only winless team in the NFL, still take on the Miami Dolphins, who are four and one. That could be a real ugly one there out in Miami. Uh, the Colts play the Jaguars, a, a divisional matchup there in the AFC South. Both teams three and two as well. And uh, no Anthony Richardson now, the rookie quarterback, for upwards of a month. So Gardner Minshew will be in the seat for the uh, Indianapolis Colts against the Jags. Now, the New Orleans Saints and the Houston Texans, also a matchup between two teams in the South, but one AFC, one NFC. Uh, the Texans developing nicely, you'd say, in their, in their first season with CJ Stroud uh, at quarterback, and that could be a pretty interesting matchup. The Patriots travelled to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders, who have just come off the back of a win. The Cardinals play the Rams. The Eagles host the Jets. That one could be a pretty one-sided, well, will be a pretty one-sided game unless there's a miracle there for the New York Jets. But the 5-0 and Eagles, uh, one of the two undefeated teams in the NFL against the 2-3 and Jets. And the uh, New York Giants against the Buffalo Bills is the Sunday night game. And that uh, pretty much rounds out every match for the uh, for the week. What did you make of Thursday night football going back a few nights ago, uh, Chief? A 19-8 to win for the Chiefs against the Denver Broncos. Yeah, uh, just, yeah. Not what you'd expect to see uh, out of the, the uh, Chiefs off. It's kind of a classic division game where it's, a, it's kind of an ugly battle. Um, and, yeah, a, a bit surprising it was uh, that low scoring. And, uh, you know, it was right on the point spread. So they kind of nailed it in terms of the line. But, yeah, the Chiefs, I'm sure, are thrilled to get a win, um, even though it wasn't their you know, best performance. Their kicker was their star. Huge, huge long field goals really being uh, a big difference. Uh, and yeah, the Broncos just really uh, hasn't worked with uh, Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, the new head coach. And they haven't meshed and it just hasn't been working. Uh, and it's kind of ugly, ugly early. I think I don't see that marriage lasting long. Before we go to the break, we've got an announcement to make. We have got a, a sponsor on board and a prize to give away as well. We've got All-American Draft Beer on board with us, which just makes perfect sense, doesn't it? The All-American Hour Amazing. with Geordie and the Chief. Uh, All-American Draft Beer. Uh, we've got, uh, we'll, we'll give it away to the best text. 0433981116 off the text. If you have uh, a comment or a, or a take to make, maybe give us your, your best prediction for this week in the NFL. We'll be happy to read that out. And the best one will get a six-pack of All-American Draft beer. Root for your team and enjoy All-American Draft. Drink responsibly. We'll be giving that away uh, every week. So I've got a six-pack to give away each week here on the All-American Hour. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side of this and we'll lean into the Major League Baseball postseason. It has been so fascinating uh, the last week with the Divisional Series and now the Championship Series in each conference set to get underway in the next couple of days. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this and have a look at the Major League. You're listening to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. Just a little intermission here before we chat baseball. We're going to have a look at the uh, live scores at the moment around the college football scene. Earlier this morning, we had the first or the top four uh, seeded teams in the poll all take to the field and all won pretty easily as well. Georgia beat Vanderbilt 37-20. Michigan, the number two team, had a 52-7 win over Indiana. Ohio State 41-7 over Purdue. 
and Florida State, the number four team, uh, beat Syracuse 41-3. to There was a, a slim victory for the number 11 seed, Alabama, 24-21 over Arkansas, who only have two wins to their name this season. They scored a touchdown in the last quarter, Arkansas, to make it a three-point game. Live at the moment, at the start of the last quarter, the number 16 team, Utah, have a 10-point lead over California, 24-14. Uh, Penn State lead 28-0 over Massachusetts. The... Uh, uh, Texas A&M have a 10-7 lead uh, at the start of the second half over the number 19 team, Tennessee. And Kansas, the number 23 team, have a 25-24 lead over Oklahoma State University. But the uh, probably the, the game of most interest this week, Chief, is uh, Oregon against Washington. And halftime, it's the number seven team, Washington, 22, leading the number eight ranked team, Oregon, 18. So just a four-point lead for Washington at the half. It was probably this game and then the USC Notre Dame game later on this morning, which is set to get underway in about two hours. That were the two picks of the college football uh, fixture this week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, Both fantastic. Yeah, already 40 points in that Oregon-Washington game. I think it's the first time they've played each other. They're uh, rivals, uh, just neighboring states up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, first time they've uh, both been in the top 10 playing each other. Uh, Michael Penix, the uh, quarterback for the uh, Washington Huskies, one of the favorites to win the Heisman Trophy, the best college player, but really the biggest individual award in America is uh, the co- the best college football player in the Heisman Trophy. And um, yeah, it's a phenomenal one. Then later, uh, a classic rivalry, uh, USC, University of Southern California in Los Angeles, going to Notre Dame, which is in South Bend, Indiana. And uh, just, uh, yeah, rivalry that goes way back to just storied, storied college football teams. Quick news break. We'll come back after this and talk Major League Baseball. You're listening to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. Major League Baseball has been the uh, talk of America over the last couple of days with the Divisional Series providing great entertainment. And now we are gearing up in a couple of days for the start of the Championship Series in both the American League and the National League. Uh, The ALCS starts uh, on Monday, uh, our time here, Monday, October October 16th, tomorrow pretty much, at uh, 11.15am Australian Eastern Daylight Time between Texas and Houston. And then the day after will be Game 1, of Arizona versus Philadelphia in the NLCS. So those are the uh, the two uh, matchups that we've got left with now before the World Series. Chief, uh, I know baseball is right up your wheelhouse. Now, firstly, uh, how much attention did the uh, did the world or did the um, postseason has the postseason so far uh, garnered over there in the United States? Well, I mean, you know, pretty much uh, the usual amount, though. Um, not the the. Biggest markets without, you know, the New York teams and Chicago teams, but uh, certainly Los Angeles and Atlanta are huge uh, uh, baseball markets. All St. Louis, is a, they were one of the worst teams in the league. They're, they're massively popular teams. So maybe not the, the best ratings, uh, um, but uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it's baseball. It's a, it's a pastime. It doesn't have that passion that, that American football does, but uh, uh, there's, you know, so many baseball fans still... Uh, Still going, going strong like like myself, and um, yeah, I think there's a lot of good storylines. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, there's one that it's not going to bring uh, the most fans, as there are you know recent 
uh, over the past, uh, you know, about 25-year-old team. Well, you know, the Philadelphia Phillies are, um, you know, I think, 125 years yeah. old. So, you know, you have uh, certainly a lot of Philadelphia Phillies fans and uh, – um, and, the, and the Texas teams are both young, uh, relatively young in terms of uh, the history of baseball. Uh, the American League uh, Divisional Series matchup. So as you said last week, as you predicted last week, you'd say we'd get an all-Texas matchup. And we certainly have got that indeed with the Texas Rangers beating the Baltimore Orioles 3-0 in that series there. 3-2, 11-8 and 7-1 the wins for Texas. And the Houston Astros had knocked off the Minnesota Twins who were the fairy tale story com- coming into these uh, into these postseason matches, and uh, Houston uh, probably expectedly got the series win 3-1, and now they'll face off against each other the first time that they've met actually in the postseason in the uh, in the Rangers-Astros rivalry of, of Texas, and the first time ever that the um, American League Championship Series features two teams from the same state. So we've got a, um, a highly built matchup here between two close rivals. Yes. Uh, yeah, and a, a very interesting pitching matchups. Uh, neither pitcher started the season with the, the current team. Jordan Montgomery uh, was traded from the uh, St. Louis Cardinals to the to Texas Rangers. And Justin Verlander, who last year won the World Series with the Houston Texans, actually signed with the New York Mets in the offseason, pitched the first half of the season with the New York Mets. I was actually there for the last game he pitched for the Mets be- right before the trade deadline, and he was traded back to the Houston uh, <laughs> Astros. And... Uh, he was, of, of course, uh, joined by his wife, Kate Upton, who's uh, quite a famous uh, model. Um, and, uh, yeah, so interesting pitching matchup. Uh, obviously, Justin Verlander with his history uh, and being a, a veteran, 40 years old, uh, is the favorite in that. And, and uh, Houston's slight favorite with uh, the home field advantage in a seven-game series. Now, on that Orioles Rangers matchup. What was it about the Rangers that you that convinced you? Because people might look at that just at a at a surface level and go, well, the one seed against the five seed in the American League should be the Baltimore Orioles, right? And the Rangers come out and win all three games and, and sweep the Orioles aside. Last week you said the Orioles are, are a very young team and probably maybe at the start of their journey. How did the Rangers? What was what was it that the Rangers did so well in that series? Yeah, well, they, they actually have some veteran players. Uh, Corey Seager uh, won a World Series with the Los Angeles Dodgers, the shortstop, huge free agent signing, uh, kind of a, one of their key players. They have uh, guys who played or Dallas Garcia, a lot of players who played in the uh, uh, the World Baseball Classic, and Bruce Bochy, who uh, won three World Series in five years at uh, the beginning of the 2010s with the San Francisco Giants uh, at the helm, where you know, Baltimore, yeah, they're, they're from, head, from manager, uh, down all the way down the roster, pretty pretty much no experience in terms of postseason play. So, um, yeah, I think that's a very important factor. And we've also seen that, again, these teams coming off those long breaks, the Orioles earned that bye, didn't have to play in that wild card round, sat home and probably got some rust. Uh, rust is, uh, rest isn't as important late in baseball. You know, rest is much more important in basketball, uh, NFL for sure. In baseball, these guys are used to playing six days a week, and rest isn't necessarily a good thing. So, um, and, and we've seen that with both, um, you know, Philadelphia and Arizona coming out of the wild card rounds, and uh, only Houston uh, with their experience and seven straight American League Championship Series appearances were the only team that got the bye that advanced. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all the lower ranked teams made it through. So, the one seeds in in both conferences are out. The two seed in the National League. Uh, is out the Dodgers and, and Houston the only one through. So we've got 
uh, a 2v5 and a, and a 4v6 matchup in these championship series. Does that, what's been the, the, the discussion around the postseason uh, structure uh, over there in the USA? Has it, has it been met with criticism or some people in favour of seeing something like this where you have maybe underdog teams getting wins in postseason? Well, it's, it's getting criticism, but um, it, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much, I think, 50-50 where people are saying, yeah, I mean, this, maybe the format needs to be changed and the other, you know, half just saying, well, it's the way it is. Um, I think generally, uh, yeah, you know, baseball has a history. Baseball, historically, up until 1968, so the first, you know, uh, not that historic anymore. Um, when you grow up in the uh, in the early '80s, '68 is not that long ago. Um, but <laughs> where the uh, just the, the American League, National League, whoever had the best record after the regular season met in the World Series. So there was really no playoff structure postseason. There was just one World Series, and then they had 1969. They broke up into uh, two two uh, divisions, East and West, and then you'd have you know championship series. Then in 1995, that's when they started to really expand the playoffs, and it's gone even further to uh, now we're at, uh, I guess, five teams from each. I'm sorry, six teams from each league yeah, advance. So um, it's become like the other sports, and uh, you have upsets, and especially in baseball, um, it's very similar to hockey. You don't see usually huge upsets in the, in the uh, NBA because of um, – over seven games, usually the better team does win, uh, but we've seen a little bit more of them. And obviously, football is uh, you know one game. There's no series, so um, baseball has become like the other sports, where the regular season means less. And in the other sports, well, 80 games in ML, 80 games in the NBA, 80 games in the NHL. It's a long season, um, 16 games. But we play 162 baseball games, and it's not seeming to matter too much. Um, that, that could be a problem and uh, something that certainly traditionalists don't like. The National League Championship Series, the Philadelphia Phillies and the Arizona Diamondbacks, the first time these two sides meet in the postseason. As you said, Diamondbacks are a very young organization, so uh, there's a lot of teams I haven't met yet in the, uh, in the National League uh, postseason. Uh, but the second straight year that two wildcards uh, have played in the National League uh, championship series, which which sort of goes to the point that we were just making uh, then. How do you see this matchup playing out off the back of their of their divisional series wins? The Diamondbacks sweeping the Dodgers three nothing, the Philadelphia Phillies three one over the Atlanta Braves, the number one Atlanta Braves. Um, who's who's the pick here? Yeah, I think you got to like Philadelphia. Um, they uh, got to the World Series last year. They seem to have some magic. They have a 70% winning percentage at Citizens Bank Ballpark, their home ballpark, the best in the, the history of baseball. And they have a home field, four out of the uh, potential seven games in Philadelphia. Um, Arizona, not, again, not a young team. They, they got through uh, and they've, they've had, uh, again, playing a division rival like they did with the Dodgers, sometimes a little bit easier. Because I thought Philadelphia against Atlanta, too. I thought Philadelphia playing a division rather than an equalizer. Here it's not as equal. And I, I'd be surprised if, if Philadelphia doesn't win this series, um, especially with that, that great home, home field. This is the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. Get your text messages in on 0433981116. We're giving away a six-pack of All-American Draft beer for the best text to come through. Root for your team and enjoy All-American Draft. Drink responsibly. There are a couple of texts coming through. Give us your pick for the week. Uh, we framed it as NFL. If you want to pick any other sport, go ahead. But uh, I know there's a big NFL 
following here on Among Our SEN listeners. And there's a couple of texts that have come through. We'll read those out on the other side of this and, and put someone in the clubhouse lead to win that six-pack of All-American Draft. We'll come back on the other side of this. More on the way in the All-American Hour. You're listening to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. We've been asking for your text messages here on the All-American Hour about what your predictions are, what your takes have been so far through the NFL season uh, to go in the running to win the All-American six-pack, the All-American draft six-pack of beer. Uh, Simon off the text says Detroit to win this week and go all the way. Uh, Joel from Woodend, I predict Brock Purdy to continue throwing the ball like a surgeon, the 49ers to run up the score in the Cleveland rain. Steve says, my Dolphins to stay equal top of the AFC. Uh, one here which has no name on it. As, as a long-suffering Detroit Lions fan, Detroit to go 5-1 and one on their way to winning the NFC North this year and making a Super Bowl run in February. Uh, Tim from Brighton. Good morning, Geordie and the Chief. The Week 6 matchup between the Minnesota Vikings and Chicago Bears was going to be must-see TV. However, five weeks into this season, as both teams have one and four records, it is a flip of the coin. My prediction, the Vikings with no confidence, says Tim. Uh, Mark from Vermont says, I think the 49ers list is the most dangerous and complete lineup I've maybe ever seen. Christian McCaffrey has been one of the greatest trades ever. Go Niners, says Mark. A question, uh, is Baker and the Bucks going under the radar this season, Chief? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Though Baker Mayfield has a, still a lot to prove. Uh, only the, uh, I guess this would be just three and ones. They played just four games. So, um, yeah, he's still got a lot to prove. Uh, but they are a bit under the radar. I mean, it was Tom Brady is, you know, obviously uh, when he left and retired, um, a lot of the star, a lot of the lights just turned off on, on Tampa. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think they are a bit under the radar. And one from Macy in Tasmania who says, what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers walking already after his Achilles surgery? I don't think you can count this man out of a playoffs appearance if the Jets can make it. Uh, I'd be very, very surprised they make it. And it would be unprecedented, I believe, to have his injury and to come back from that. Um, I, I'd be shocked to see him play uh, this season. All right. We'll, uh, we'll put those uh, to we'll, – we'll rank those during the break. We'll get uh, Chief's thoughts. I'll ask him which one he has as the clubhouse leader and we'll give out the six-pack of All-American Draft Beer on the other side of this. And we'll come back and we'll talk a bit of ice hockey to finish off the program here. The All-American Hour this Sunday morning on SEN. You're listening to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. Rounding things out this morning on the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. Uh, Tim from Brighton, we've, uh, we've liked your text the most, Tim, about your comment about the Vikings and the Chicago Bears, which was going to be must-see TV but no longer is, and your prediction for the Vikings with no confidence. We're going to give you the uh, six-pack of All-American draft beers. So uh, congrats to you, Tim, and uh, you'll receive a, an automated message uh, very soon to, uh, to receive that. Uh, to finish off the show this morning, Chief, let's have a quick chat about the NHL. Um, where we are a couple of days into the new season. There are 14 games today, so you get to have a look at pretty much almost every team in the league if you are an ice hockey fan with the uh, the schedule coming up, which is um, which is fantastic. Uh, the um, number one draft pick from the most recent draft, Connor Bedard for the Chicago Blackhawks, has come in with some of the most hype we've ever seen. Uh, you sort of go back, it's sort of like once every sort of 10 years going back through the, the draft, you get... 
uh, a really hyped player. So 20 years ago, Sidney Crosby. 10 years ago, roughly 10 years ago, Connor McDavid. Connor Bedard, in a nutshell, Chief, uh, tell us a bit about him and, and who he is and just the hype around him. Yeah, been a uh, uh, super skilled player, been undersized, only five foot ten, but just a phenomenal talent from uh, North Vancouver, British Columbia, up in Canada. Just fantastic uh, offensive skill. Um, you know, I, I will have to see him play. He just he turned eighteen just in July. Going opened up against Sidney Crosby, the the legend from the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, who's twice his age uh, at thirty six. Uh, just all the uh, expectations for him to be just an, an offensive superstar, uh, and uh, yeah, very exciting to, to see him go to uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, an original six NHL team, and a team that has had some some really good recent success. That opening match, uh, the opening game with Connor Bedard and, and Sidney Crosby going up against each other, Pittsburgh Penguins, Chicago Blackhawks, biggest, uh, most highly rated uh, NHL regular season game in ESPN history. So uh, lots of hype and lots of excitement around uh, the young uh, Connor Bedard. I think he was only, uh, I think they said he was only something like 10 days old or something when Sidney Crosby was drafted or something like that. He was like two weeks old. Uh, So it just goes to show. (laughs) And now they're on the ice together and Sidney Crosby was Connor Bedard's biggest idol. So it just goes to show the, the generations, but still... How good Sydney Crosby is as well. Chief, that's all we've got time for for today's episode. Thank you very much, mate. We'll catch up again next week. Thank you, Jordy. This has been the All American Hour with Jordy and the Chief. We'll see you again next Sunday morning.